0: High fly ball into right field, backing up his judge. All the way back
1: and kiss it goodbye. Raphael Devers right out of the chute. The Red Sox lead it two to nothing with a bomb to right field.
2: Welcome back, everybody. It is our very first episode of 2023 for the Obstructed View Red Sox podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Henrik. I am here with our co-hosts. We'll go around the horn real quick to reintroduce the guys because we have not recorded in about a month. Um, so we'll start with uh Miggy. Howdy, howdy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year's,
0: happy Christmas. Happy Valentine's Day, whatever's next.
2: No, Valentine's too soon. I have to ask you, though, how, Um. when does like the Happy New Year stop for you? Like well,
0: three days later. Okay. I'm not a big New Year's guy anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just another excuse to.
2: Okay,
1: so I give it two days.
2: Yeah. Cause like as I was saying, like, hey, Happy New Year. For me, I don't want a, a Happy New Year after like the third day. Like January third, January fourth, I'm done. And like we're on to 2023 at that point. So all right, uh, we get Jamie down in the down in the South Carolina, Jamie.
1: Let's go, South.
2: Uh Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> last but not least, we get Steve. Hello, everybody.
1: That an accent? That's-
3: yeah, it was it was like kind of a half fast, Happy Gilmore, fellow Madison type. Too
0: bad. the New Year stops when I figure out how to write twenty twenty three on every paper.
3: Oh
1: yeah. It takes me about a week. It takes a little bit.
3: It actually only took me three days, believe it or
2: not. Don't know how. Because of uh with work and our hiring class that was coming up in twenty twenty three, I was already writing twenty twenty three at the end of November. So it was just second nature. But enough of the uh enough of that nonsense. We get some Red Sox stuff to talk about. Uh, We're going to touch base on a few things, and then we're going to kind of get into current events. So the first thing I wanted to talk about um, while we were kind of gone and not recording for uh, the time being was uh, the Red Sox finally struck and re-signed and extended, I guess the better term to use, Rafael Devers' massive contract, um, which was announced today. The Red Sox – January 11th will now forever be known as Rafael Devers Day in Red Sox Nation. So the Red Sox extend Devers' massive deal. What's kind of start off with? Besides being relieved that it's over, what was your you know your initial thoughts with this contract? Does it make sense? Did they pay too much? And then just we'll go from there.
1: I mean, I feel like it was the perfect deal. We've talked about it before. How so? Obviously, they haven't reside home homegrown guys. Whether it's been Mookie, Bogart, even going back further to Lester. Um, and it's like if you weren't gonna pay Devers, then who are you gonna pay when it comes to you know your homegrown talent? Um, so you know, I thought it was a perfect deal. It was something that needed to get done. You know, I think Red Sox sure would have burned. Um, but like if you weren't able, if you weren't willing to commit to Devers long term, then I don't know if you were going to commit to. So the deal that needed to happen, and it's a great, great holiday that will on January 11th for the rest of the time. Yeah,
3: I think that contract is a blessing. I don't think he would have gotten anything like that on the open market. He would have gotten crazy money. If he hit free agency, he would not have signed for that much or for that little, which feels funny saying because it's a huge contract. But what we've seen this offseason, he would have gotten a hell of a lot more. Next off
0: season. You you lucked out not having to compete with anybody next season, definitely. That contract is the money front uh front end heavy.
1: Um no, I don't think so. I know it's still at least a lot. Like I know I know the biggest complaint about
0: that contract is everybody in six years he'll be playing first base, but I mean as far as the spending money was, you lucked out not having to compete with anybody next year, so.
3: Well, I mean, there is there is a few guys. I think Machado will be opting out, but he's nowhere near the same
2: level as Devers, in my opinion. He's older. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if Manny Machado ends up wearing pinstripes. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, they've got
3: they've got some work to do in the uh, the left side of their infield for sure. The Yankees, I mean, IKF and. Donaldson are definitely not the long-term answers. Donaldson's a fossil at this point.
2: IKF doesn't have a bat. I mean, well, depending on though, hang on, because Yankee fans would go and tell you that Josh Donaldson, you know, they're, they're elevating his stature within Yankee, you know, the, in Yankee uh, land over there. Um, There's some prominent accounts that speak very highly of Josh Donaldson, which I don't understand. He's a distraction. He's another one of those uh, Bauer types
3: who would also That's like get the hell away from the Red Sox.
2: For the record, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll segue into that in a little bit. This, I'm just uh, saying, I'm just throwing it out there right now. Jump the gun here. Um, I like how the
1: boys chose violence, I love it. Great start.
2: I guess the reason why I was I said, do you think you pay too much? Because I I don't I think that. I personally think that he kind of did the Sox a favor by <clears throat> um by signing the deal now because to your point had he signed um had he gone to have he got had he gone to free agency rather that we're not talking 11 and you know 331 or whatever it was I think we're we're talking 12, 14 year deal. I think we're we're talking a massive, massive, massive deal. I think we're, you know, the benefit of the fact that he wanted to stay in Boston. And granted, $331 million, just even say that's a deal is absurd in its own right. But I think, I think fans understand that had he hit free agency, the Red Sox, based off past history, I don't think would be in the ballpark of what he would command.
3: I agree completely. I have a question though. What do you think? Now that it's all said and done, what do you think he would have signed for had they given him what he wanted last spring? Would it have been in the same area, the same vicinity as what he just got or more or obviously not more but less? I'd say a little less maybe. No, I still I still think he is expecting a, a 300 million dollar player. Oh, I mean he was for sure a 300 no 300 million dollar player it was just a matter of, you know, those those tens that really matters too much.
2: You yeah, if you slide scale it here and say three hundred to three thirty, really at that point, what's the you know what's the difference? So, um, I mean I, the structure
3: of the contract is beautiful. I mean it's got a no no trade There's no no trade clause right, and yep, no opt outs, which is a beautiful thing. After getting burned by Bogarts, um, it just gives you a lot of freedom, I think, and um. Yeah. You know, in a few years, if Devers is not exactly a premier defender, then you might just have a bit more of expensive DH or maybe a first base type. But I think that he's got the longevity to stick at third. I know there's been questions about his defense in the past, but I still think that he's going to be able to get the job done there. Yeah.
1: Okay, I feel like you said it too. It sets them up to be more flexible in the future, especially when you guys have like you have guys like Cass and Bayo, you know, other guys that will need extensions in the next few years.
3: Yeah, they've got a lot. They're gonna have some money to work with in a few years here when they uh, got guys like Sale coming off the books, and you now prices off the books, and you know there's there's it it does it does uh make you feel a little bit more um positive about the future with all this young core coming up. It's just gonna suck in a few years when we're having the same conversations that we're having about guys like Bogarts and the others when you can't keep everybody, and it's not like the the structure of the Braves right now where you're going out and extending every single player on your team somehow. Don't ask me how they did that. I don't know. I feel like they're taking a lot of,
2: uh, you know, big gambles on some of these players. Yeah, that's the thing. There is massive risk, you know what I mean? Like Spencer Strider, that's still a risk. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like there's just the, you know, they have to go off of just this year. But those gambles seem to work not only just for them, but look at other teams that have done similar moves like that too. So I think it makes sense. The Red Sox need to get into that business. I think that is a, you know, I mean, Michael Felger said this before and I agree with him on it. Um, It's the reason why High Bloom is here. You identify the young talent and you get them to sign younger uh, while they're younger and you continue to find this young talent. So you have that, that's, that's the sustainability. Keeping keeping Rafael Devers here at $331 million, that's not the sustainability that you had to do. Red Sox had to make that move. Now you have a player you can build around, which is nice. And they need to do that. And I, I know we want to see the Red Sox be competitive and we want to see them win this year. And I think that if they not had lost story to this injury, I think the team was better. Then I, you know, I think folks want to give them credit for. In my opinion, I think they were like an 85 win team, and all you need to do is get into the postseason. You're just gonna make the tournament. That's all you gotta do. I think there's teams that are showing you that's the case. Look at the Phillies, wild card team. You know what I mean? Then they go to the World Series. So you just need to get in, and then you just you, then you play baseball at that point. But you know, you have to do these things. You got to get Bayo signed. You got to get Casa signed. And I'll be honest with you guys, I would sign Bayo right now before Casas only because he was he showed that he could not stay healthy last year. I need Casas to show the Red Sox that that's an anomaly, anomaly. Fuck, you know what I'm trying to say. Anomaly. 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 a fluke, <laughs> a fluke. Yes, and that's not his game. That he is not that player. That's going to be Tristan Casas, and we talk about. His patience at the plate and his, you know, his his great eye and everything else. Plus, by the way, he's injured. Kind of again, when you talk about when you talk about Christian Arroyo, again, they're not the same player. But when you talk about Christian Arroyo and you talk about becoming an everyday player, there's always going to be that asterisk, that caveat. Well, he's not healthy. He's not played more than 100 games. They need him to play 140 games a season.
1: By the way,
3: helping to get COVID eight times. That's an exaggeration, but he did get sick a lot.
1: True. I but know. I agree. With, I agree with Chris. I thought I would give Bayo an extension right now before anyone choose between all those young guys.
2: Hundred percent. Yeah, kind especially of with team how
1: team without. With without true, but without expecting how expensive pitching is, um, I feel like you have to focus on locking up pitchers first. I mean, like the Whitlock good deal was great. Um, you know, give Bayo something. Obviously, not like the same, but. Lock him up. Lock him all up.
2: And that's and it's the thing, too. If you think about it right now, <clears throat> you know Whitlock signed <clears throat> theoretically to it kind of looks like reliever money and he's going to be a starter. So you have him signed. In my opinion, and we've been pumping this up probably now for about a month and we're going to get to I, when I say we, myself, Andrew Parker, who just did an article on Tanner Hawk Tanner Houck to me, is someone that I want to see a full season, healthy, on the roster, and in one role. That is either in the rotation, and then in, in the terms that you guys like to use, and let him go ahead and cook, or put him in the bullpen, and but let him go and say, this is your job, and then let him go... Improve prove why that's his role. We talk about, for years, the Red Sox don't develop pitching. Well, they've developed Tanner Houck, and we want to chip him off, for example, for Kim out in San Diego, which, in my opinion, yes, you need a shortstop, but why do we want to trade these young pitchers that we developed when the team needs friggin' pitching? And on top of it, you're getting two years of Kim. Two, that's it. Marcelo Meyer is going to be up in at least two years, so why do like to me it doesn't make sense to trade four or five years of control with Tanner Houck to get a shortstop for two years that is not going to be part of your future when how can be part of the future with Marcelo Meyer.
3: Yeah, I'd personally trade from a place where you have a lot of depth. And this past draft, <laughs> we saw them. Remember. We saw the Red Sox draft. How many shortstops?
1: Three? What, three? The
3: first like three rounds, all shortstops,
1: yeah, because Romero was a shortstop, Coffee's a shortstop, exactly. See,
3: so now they're loading up on shortstops and they have that middle infield depth that's way down the line. I know that the Padres are a win now team and they're not really looking for guys who are years away. Same goes for the Marlins for other teams that have been in discussions, but I think. The last thing that they should be doing, that they should be considering, is trading with a team that is seeking pitching. Tanner Holt is definitely a guy that you want to hang on to. We've seen what he can do, and he's definitely got a pretty high ceiling. So I think he's somebody that should be held on to and valued a little bit more than just some throwaway that should be included in a trade because, you know, juice juice up the deal especially like to chris's point for two years of a guy named you know you know freaking kim shortstop from the padres i mean i just i just i think they could do better
0: so and coming yeah, off that yeah. injury and surgery though coming off that injury and surgery how you know had last season at mm-hmm. the last season does that yeah. not scare you just a little bit too and obviously that hurts kind of what you might be able to get in a trade package but you know him staying on the stocks, there's no him coming back to what he was beforehand
3: I mean, yeah, definitely kind of it's it's another one of those gambles, but I don't really think it's going to be too big of a gamble, in my opinion. I don't think a lot of people are betting on him to just plummet downward. I think he's still going to be an attractive piece in any trade, but also an attractive piece to the, either the bullpen or the rotation, whatever route the Red Sox end up taking with him. So it's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing shakes out. I mean, in the right deal. Yeah, I guess they would, because this team needs to be reinforced all over the field, not just, you know, not just at shortstop. But, I mean, you can make the argument for the outfield, too. And now with Story out, basically your entire middle infield is,
2: I mean, second base, too, you know? And so, look, I also want to clear up, too. I'm not opposed to the Red Sox going out and acquiring Kim. I just don't want to trade Tanner Haup to do that. I don't want to trade Rafaela to do that. I think this team is in such a unique and different spot. Two years ago, if we were talking about, hey, let's go and make these moves, I would have said do it. But we're now two almost, well, three years into what Heim Bloom has been trying to do, and and these and these players are getting close. Not everybody's going to be able to play here, and I get that. But I'm at I'm of the stance right now. You know, if you get Kim, what does that mean? Like, how many more wins does that mean for this Red Sox team? I the can't way that, imagine I'm really that, mean, much, that many. Not, I mean, the way the Red Sox Twitter talks about him, you would think that they're getting a Rod.
3: Yeah, I know. it's it's crazy up, oh, I The know? hype, hype on
2: these guys is absurd. You know, when he's hitting 220, you know what's going to happen.
1: we traded out for this guy we traded out who
3: they should trade for Yeah, yeah can i make a really quick observation i feel like i'm kind of seeing right now is in during during the bloom regime i feel like red red sox fans have been so much more hyper focused on the prospects as a result of a lack of really flashy moves at the major league level that now people are less inclined to want to include these prospects in any hypothetical or even realistic trade. You know, a lot of these players seem to be less, you know, more, more, more or less off the table. I mean, in the Dombrowski era, it was anything goes. You want you want a closer? Cool, we're going to go ahead and give I you a, a big name prospect for him, and case closed. Same thing with Chris Sale. Yeah, you know? I
2: get that though, but like if you think about it, right. If you're in tune, which, you know, you're not going to want to trade. Obviously, Meyer, you're not going to want to trade the Rafaelas. Think about a lot of these names that are going to turn out there. And I'm not saying this from the beat reporters or the national guys. I'm saying it from, from social media, Jaron Duran. Here's my thing, right? Jaron Duran has value in these trades to get you these premium players back, but he doesn't have value to be on your roster. Like, it doesn't make sense to me.
3: That's a good point.
2: You know, so yeah. if, if Jaron Duran is good enough to go to the San Diego Padres and either ride their bench and, or be in their system. So you can go and get players that fill your void in need, but yet not going to fear in Boston. Now, if you want to go to make the argument and say, well, you may need to change the scenery and you want to talk about last year. Here's my thing with with Darren Duran right now. I would also like to see him get this year. Like, I want this year to be his last make it or break it year. If this kid can go out there and show that he can stick at the big league level, he's kind of fixed what's between the pipes, and he seems to be a little more in tune, and he's not making stupid bonehead plays, fine. Maybe we got something here. But... If the Red Sox have the same Jaron Duran as the last year, 215 average, you know, he's still got all the speed in the world, but he never gets on base to showcase it. Can't do the basic principle price of entry, catch a fly ball. Then it's time to move on. But then at that point value is not there. The only value that is there rather is his contractual value of how many years of control that he has left and then his speed. And you can find that with a lot of players.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 bare bones, it's essentially a replaceable asset. But, I mean, I think I think a guy like Duran is actually something that is um of some worth. And a, a lot of people are already calling him a throwaway. I mean, we all saw that stupid play last year in center field where he lost the ball in the twilight. And honestly, I'm not going to judge his entire do. career in Boston off yeah, of that Yeah, I say, play. which one? Yeah, Okay, a maybe there were a few, but I'm thinking the one in particular where he completely lost the ball and didn't run it down. I mean, sometimes these young guys, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They get shell-shocked. They're a little cocky. There's a lot of things that go into it, but I Broke think there's a fan. possibility. Hey, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying I'm not going to completely write the dude off because he didn't tear the cover off the ball every single time he was up to bat or make every single play he was supposed to make. Should he have made him? Yeah. Did he? No. Is there a reason to believe that he can't? you know, figure it out this upcoming season. I mean, Cora today in in the Devers press conference kind of went off script and mentioned that Duran was somebody to keep an eye on to play center field. So it almost seems like the current plan is to potentially give Kike more reps at shortstop, play a guy like Duran in center field if they don't make any other, uh, I mean, which they obviously will make any other uh, acquisitions. (laughs)
0: She's
3: obviously um, I mean, likely. I I mean it is likely that they're gonna do something. I just do want to see a little bit more Duran, see what he can do. Give him a little bit of time to try and play it out and see if he can produce and um, play it play it by ear. I mean, I don't know how many team how many uh wins this team's gonna have, but I think it's a good time to showcase some of these guys for longer periods of time. Give them some more exposure in the big leagues. Don't constantly yeah. send them back and forth
1: know, no, I agree with that. I won't give up on Duran yet. I would still give him another year to see if he can work it out before you start shipping him off for you know for someone else.
3: Right. I'm not Especially
1: sure. with like with Bob. Kim. Just like with Kim, I feel like he's not that much of a difference maker to give up a guy like you know, like Tanner or package Duran. Um, you know, if you just look at what he would bring versus putting a Royal or finding another solution.
0: I think Duran found himself in a perfect spot right now to have to be back on this team next year in the sense that well, we didn't bring back Xander, so we had to move Kike. The team the team as a whole last year in the outfield just played like shit. You, had, you know, you even had a Royal with his drop balls. So I think a lot of that just kind of covers up, too, what Duran, you know, all the mistakes he had last season, the team as a whole was bad. So you can't really blame Duran
1: to a sense. That's a
3: good I didn't, point. Um, I just see a 50-second compilation of drop balls in August. I know it wasn't going well.
1: Greatest highlight reel belongs belongs to the Red Sox last year. They have like a five-minute. That was was gold.
2: (laughs) I think the other uh, positive, though, too, in general with the roster is that you're going to have guys that are going to play in their natural position this year. Christian Arroyo is not an outfielder. He's going to get to play the infield. He's going to get to play second base, which is what he is. He's an infielder. For about 20 games. Ronchi Cordero – is not here having to play first base when he's an outfielder. Sorry, Steve. Uh, well, I'm over it. <laughs> uh, you know, there was the, in my opinion, the outlandish article that came out from over the monster that was saying to Bobby Dahlbeck, making the case that he should pitch. How about we let the pitchers pitch? Okay, Bobby Dahlbeck, you know what? Guess what? I pitched in the Little League. Should I go and trial for the fucking Sox too? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? I mean, nope.
0: we all want Verdugo to pitch.
2: I'd rather Verdugo pitch. <laughs> hey, you put a gun in my head and say, "Hey, look, you got to pick Bob or Alex Verdugo to pitch." I'm going to go the lefty.
3: That's- I, I just don't think any any position players who are not like you know actively pitching or you know yeah, having in recent years to pitch. There's no need for that. That's just going to give you more injury risk and then give you more holes in your in your uh, depth chart if they get hurt. I mean. I know Verdugo is, like, begging and pleading to pitch. I don't think Bobby Dalbeck
2: is out there asking on his hands and knees no, of to go play. I, you how know, what, pitch I pitched in college, but college was how long ago? I respect that they're trying to make content and get people to click on their website. Yeah,
3: yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Click here, uh, click
2: there. But, I mean, no. Come on. I'm telling you right now, if Bobby Dalbeck is, is pitching in any other game besides the fact that it's not, like, a 13-1 game against the Yankees or something, if he like, it makes no sense. We start having Bobby Dollback pitch. It's time to start to be serious and saying, "What are we doing here?" And maybe it's time to bring in a new front office executive because you know the third first base, the first baseman slash third baseman, who only steps up and is productive in a five six week window around the trade deadline is on the mound. I'm out at that point.
0: I'm, I'm willing to bet you by the end of July he's pitching in a game against the Blue Jays. Well, they
2: how they, oh, yeah. the Blue how? Jays rip it out and slap it across the the sock face every time they, That's they match. That's oh, that it can again.
3: has gone,
1: especially in Toronto. Yeah,
2: <laughs> no, but I mean,
3: there are there are some pieces who I would I, I don't know. I mean, you know, for a team that we would consider so desperately in need of reinforcement, I still feel like there's a few guys that are still relatively expendable. And and I know that's like a kind of oxymoron kind of statement, but I mean, there's people who I could see being moved for other areas of need. I mean, Bobby Dalbeck could be moved. It's not like he's Uh he's another one of those players who isn't amazing right now, but not to say that he couldn't be moved. For something of value. I know a lot of people are gonna tell you that he's not worth anything, but I don't believe that.
1: I think hey, that Brazier. Okay. Hey, well, 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 let's well, just well,
3: don't well. even let's just not even get into that right now. There's something to be we said. We all know how we feel about him.
2: <laughs> something that could be said for though a player who has raw power, Bobby Dahlbeck has that. That's tough to come by. And when you have it, it granted, he's not been able to. Let that be a benefit for him on a consistent basis at the big league level. But if there's a team that can maybe figure him out and write the ship, which the Sox should be that team, but let's just say that can't happen. If you can find a team that can net you something back that's going to help you, whether it's a reliever, it's a double A player that you could see maybe next year, whatever, for Bobby Dahlbeck, I would entertain that because. Bob is, what, 27? Now, he's not a prospect anymore. No. You know, he's not what he was three years ago. So everybody knows he's got a ton of power, and he's still got control at cheap dollars. That's valuable. I don't care if he strikes out 300 times in a season. His power and his contract is, is of value, and the Red Sox could get something for him. It's just a matter of what that is going to ultimately look like.
3: Right. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Michael Chavis to a degree. It's probably a good comp for him. Yeah. Yeah. A guy who swings freely, has very raw power, and
1: a decent
3: glove, I'd say. We saw both of them play first base, obviously.
1: Yeah. I'd say, yeah, I'd say he's like average defensively. I'd give him that.
3: Yeah. I mean, he did come up as a third baseman, but I don't think we're going to see anyone playing third. (laughs) other than our boy Rafi. So, it's really first base or plus for him. I mean, unless you want to throw him in the middle infield, like we saw shortstop. on occasions, that didn't work out. Shortstop. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> we have our we have our solution. Bobby Dalbeck is our starting shortstop.
1: World Series is back on.
3: <laughs> but, you know, speaking on uh, other players who – kind of moved around a little bit I mean like going back to Arroyo I really do hope that he can put together a fully healthy year I want to see what he can do in a full year's time because I feel like so many teams just kind of passed him around when he was going all over the DFA wire three years ago he was a first round pick many 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 moons ago but I mean it wasn't for nothing somebody saw something in him and he had some big moments i mean granted some of them were like two years ago a year ago but it's not it's not to say that he can't uh be a productive everyday player so i would like to see him kind of settle in at like one position maybe maybe give him second and short i don't want to see him in right field anymore not well i wouldn't
1: mind I wouldn't mind if they used him in the DH spot too, just for days oh, to give yeah. him off and keep him healthy. Kind of rotate, you know, him at a shorter second, like you said, and then give him a DH spot to rest up a little bit on certain days.
3: Yeah, no, I think he would be he would be good in the DH spot. I also don't want to see him at first because, like, what the first time he played first base, uh, he just split and got hurt. Right.
1: Yeah, that was not that was not a good time.
3: Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of when Blake Swihart played left field and like. Just decombusted, shattered, he just combusted, shattered, shattered his heel. <gasps> yeah, yeah, that was another guy way back, way, way, way back. I was always super hype on, and uh, we all saw how that one went. But back to 2023, what other, uh, what other trade candidates do you see? Who who do you want the Red Sox to go after other than Kim? You can give yourself brand or you know, whatever the hell
1: brandon rogers
3: oh yeah oh really is that so
1: i would i would Uh even though i mean he has a couple of years of control so that obviously isn't going to be cheap Mm -hmm. um but i feel like we talked about a little bit how blooms kind of stashed up prospects and built up the system and i feel like if you're going to make impactful trade that's you know that's one way to do it because there's definitely i mean the rock story is looking for pitching so you could add Mata. Um, You could deal with some of those younger arms, you know, get impact bat, which is what they need, especially with Bogart's gone and now, you know, Story going to be out for a decent chunk of time. You need a lot more offense from those positions.
3: <laughs> yeah. And
2: Chris, what do you think about that one? I'd really need to put a lot of, you know, <clears throat> stock into Brendan Rodgers because I just don't think that the Rockies are going to move him, you know, um, Rockies went out, signed Chris Bryant last year. I don't really know if they're going to be in the business of trying to, you know, subtract from their team. I mean, they're not really in the business of adding to their team this year either, but um, I, I don't know. I I think, again, though, it kind of falls under the same, you know, umbrella in the window with Rodgers, too. Where does he play long-term? I mean, like, long-term over the next handful of years, Right. So if story is your shortstop, what if Christian Arroyo does? What what if Arroyo does play 140 games this year? He's healthy.
3: Well, how much control? Who has more control, and who's going to be more productive?
2: Is what it ultimately comes down to. So that's why I keep saying, like, I think this team is just, like this weird, really weird kind of like I don't I'm not going to call it a holding pattern. I'm not saying don't go and make moves, but I think it speaks to why this team is making all of these short one-year, two-year deals because we're so close to some of these, quote, kids that they've invested in to be here. Um, So I think you go and get Rodgers. If Story was healthy, he was your starting shortstop. You go get Rodgers at, like, the deadline. He's a piece that puts you in a position as you're battling for, like, the wild card. You know, now Rodgers comes here and he... I feel like he'd have to be – I think I feel like he'd have to do more than what he should be asked to do as a hitter right now with the Red Sox. So I'm not opposed to going and getting a guy like Brendan Rodgers. I just look at the way the team is currently built. I don't – right now I would pass on him and I would just go and take the flyer on a cheaper free agent. And see if you get catch lightning in a bottle with one of those guys, and and maybe you you do, and if you're out of it, and some of these other guys in the system can elevate themselves up and take over, and you can trade and get a piece back. But my opinion has kind of been changing, you know, weekly on that because it seems like the state of the Red Sox has been changing weekly. So next week we can record, and I can tell you that I love me some Brendan Rodgers. So who knows.
0: Jose, 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 Jose.
3: That is a no no. Big no no. Yeah. That is worst case scenario. Is,
0: is that a no no for you if story's still healthy? Because now we have two spots down the middle we need to we need to fill. If story is healthy, someone in there that you have a bench, someone that to rotate in and out with C A.
2: If story's healthy, yeah, I think a makes makes sense.
3: Just from a glove perspective, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't really have much
2: to provide uh, in the lineup. Well, that's, that's the thing though. There's nothing in the lineup. This is a punch and Judy lineup.
3: Yeah. So you really need to bolster your offense and make sure that it's in the form of players that can actually play the field. Cause you know, you could have easily gone out and got yourself a Nelson Cruz for a million dollars. Sure. But that DH role is going to be occupied by Justin Turner majority of the time and an Arroyo. But that almost goes to show that if you're going to try to rotate somebody like presumably rotate somebody like Christian Arroyo between second and other positions, that there's going to be a corresponding move to bring in another middle infielder. We all kind of can infer that that is inevitably going to happen, but I would just like to see it be somebody controllable With an actual bat. I don't want a Glacius. I mean, sure. If story is available. I don't know. I just... I'm not really sure how I feel on that. And Chris is giving me the weight finger. Not the middle finger. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if anyone wants to speak on that. But I I don't really like the idea of Glacius. Especially now.
1: No, I agree. I mean, obviously... We all know what he can do defensively, but with the bat, he doesn't really offer much. You know, I know when they traded for him two years ago at the deadline, he was a spark plug and everything and hit 290 down the stretch, but that was an anomaly. You know, that's not what he does every year. Yeah. So even though he would probably have a couple top ten plays and he would make life easier for the pitching staff, I'm kind of with Steve that I want someone who can make more of an impact on the offensive side too.
3: Yeah, you could even do it in the form of an aging player, too. You know, somebody who might be owed a little bit more money and might be a little easier to obtain in a trade just due to the fact that they might have more money tied to them. Um, There's probably at least a few teams who you could call up right now and have a discussion, see what they have uh you know what they're what they're asking prices and how much money you might have to eat to hold on to them for say like a year or two. I don't think that would be the end of the world if you ended up getting somebody with some money tied in. I really wouldn't be opposed to that. Under the right maybe
1: of maybe Joey Wendell. I don't know if you know that's still an option after um the trade today.
3: I'd still I'd still consider it to be um an option. I think you know, Miguel Rojas was ultimately, as far as I know, I think he was more so viewed as a utility type, and that's definitely me, how he could be utilized. i me jump in here real oh. quick
2: because there's some stuff that's kind of going over Twitter here. Oh. Yeah. Uh, if, the, if, the Minis- if, the, if it's true that the Minnesota Twins are on the verge of acquiring Pablo Lopez from the Miami Marlins, then the thoughts of getting Cabrera are over for the yeah. Red Sox. I would also start to venture to say that if this deal happens, and depending on what they get back, I would hold my, I would hold my Joey Wendell, you know, maybe getting Joey Wendell. I'd probably put that on the back burner for now as well. It really kind of depends on what this deal looks like, because again, <laughs> Miami has wanted uh major league talent, major league hitters back. So I'd have to wonder, is a guy like Max Kepler going to go in a deal he's a major league bat you know what else kind of goes if they go and they get another infielder and as part of that to make Wendell expendable because they don't want to pay him the 5.3 million or whatever it is that he's projected to earn that's a different conversation so I am going to kind of pump the brakes on Joey Wendell just a little bit until obviously this trade if it happens um if this actually seems to be true but well I'm seeing stuff on it too
3: And I'm also seeing seeing. that Luis Area is involved as well. Yeah. Which would honestly make a Wendell trade likely,
2: in my opinion. That's what I mean. It depends on what the what depends on what the the, if this happens, what the twins would give up. If the twins, you know, if if that ends up being what we're talking about, yeah, okay, then I'm back on on board with that. But let's kind of see, we'll kind of monitor that in the background and we'll see what kind of happens with that, which we'll guess we'll segue into why Joey Wendell would make sense for the Red Sox, and it's because Trevor Story is going to miss, um, at least we'll call it, through the All-Star break. You know, um, so he had an equivalent of a Tommy John surgery um, to kind of fix his barking elbow that started to uh, um, act up. um,
1: He's going to be out until what, July uh yeah, I think it's six months. I think
2: it depends on you know it depends on what you want to consider. You know, there's there's some people that have said this this injury is four to six months. Some have said that it could take up could be six to nine months. I think it's I think one of it's going to depend on obviously the player, but Wendell makes sense. And the reason why I like Joy Wendell is one is I don't think Joy Wendell is going. He's not flashy, right? He's not the sexy name to get you all excited. You know what I mean? It's not going to get your loins warm and whatever. But what Joey Wendell is, is Joey Wendell is a professional. He is a guy that I truly do think that the Red Sox acquire would become a fan favorite. Similar to like Rob Ref Snyder was signed, minor league deal, what, two years ago. It wasn't met with all this fanfare. People like, oh, you know, they, typical Red Sox, Twitter, social media. Mm-hmm. They poo on these players because they look at a batting average and then they immediately think he sucks. Well, Wendell to me is a professional. It's a new voice in the clubhouse. He's healthy and he can play multiple infield positions. You need that. You need someone with versatility. You need someone that can play on a consistent basis. I've equated him to be very similar to like Bill Miller. And I say that, because they just, they remind me of the same player. You know, I I don't think there's a downfall in getting Joey Wendell. I don't.
1: No, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like he would fit well with this team. And like you say, it's not the flashy move. But I feel like he's a guy who grinds out at bats. Doesn't wear batting gloves. Love that old style approach. <laughs> yeah. um, I just think with his style of play, he would become a fan favorite. You know, he's not going to hit 30 home runs. But he gives you good at bats. Um, and he'd be solid on the field, and, I'll, and I don't think he would cost you know like an absurd return, or you'd have to give up, you'd probably have to give up like a prospect in the 10 to 20 range, but you wouldn't have to give up anyone huge.
3: No, and the other thing that's nice about getting a player like that is he still has a place on the team when Story is healthy again.
2: Hmm.
3: Now, I'm not opposed to that, and I also this might, this might, uh, I don't know, I keep seeing these. Theories, and I don't know if I buy it or if I don't. But you know, a lot of people want to see Rafaela come up at some point. Probably a lot sooner than he should be. I don't want to. Recommend- make you wonder. No, no, no. I'm not saying like opening day or anything. But what if what if Red Sox took a flyer on a guy who plays the middle infield, who's kind of you know me. You know, he's all right. He gets the job done. He's a body. Play him for a while. And then inevitably cut him. Maybe not even for Rafaela, but for somebody who can play shortstop or second base and give that guy a cup of coffee until story's ready. Would that possibly hold it over? Because I mean, in reality, Trevor Story is one player. We're still we're still not you know the, Xander Bogarts was a part of the conversation as well, and the two of those players combined is a big big loss, but. You know, Bogarts, it is what it is. Story was just unfortunate circumstances that just broke yesterday. I mean, they're the same team as they were two days ago, just minus the minus Bogarts. They were the same team when they were when they extended Devers. You know? You know, it's it's weird. It's funny. It's this weird feeling where the guy goes out and gets extended, and suddenly it feels like it's a brand new team. In reality, it's the same damn team. Your guy are you wanted just got his money.
0: Are you saying from the plate we're the same team because that bullpen is completely different?
3: No, I, I'm saying in general the team that you see interjudging at present is the same team, just plus your guy getting his money. Like like I'm saying like last week the fanfare that that was greeted, oh, okay. never's extension. You know everybody uh, was acting like the team was. New, newbound, you know, newbound success. They were going to go on to win it all. In reality, those same people were skeptics about that team because their guy hadn't gotten his money yet. So I don't know.
2: I don't know how I just got from where I was to where I am now, but I'm not sure. But <laughs> I have the equivalent of a popsicle <laughs> head right now. So if I can, if I could kind of close the loop there for you, please. I think what Steve is trying to say is, is that. The Red Sox were going to still be the same team whether they signed Devers or not to this extension. Nothing changed other than Devers' bank account. Now what what is currently now if changed for the Red Sox is that Trevor Story, which was their only other source of power in the lineup, is now out because the elbow is 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 uh is now hurt. So, I don't know. It um it's going to be an interesting Next couple of weeks, as Bloom continues to kind of finalize this roster, um, which who knows what that's going to come up to. What well, I'm sorry, what's that's going to look like? But at least once spring training gets here, things that I want to focus on is looking at how do these young pitchers look? Is Mata healthy? How does Hauk look? Is Hauk healthy? What are some of these new guys they sign? How do they look? And then, you know, let's start to really take a look at some serious like dark horse candidates that could either make the team and, or be someone we're going to look at in the early part of the season. I think we need to also kind of temper some expectations because there are going to be players that are going like Christian Koss had a pretty good spring, but consider who he was hitting the homers off of. Right. So I would, uh, I would say that, you know, temper the expectations, but also kind of look a little bit more globally and deeper at how some of these guys might end up looking to kind of right. get a really good scope of what we're to expect for this Red Sox team. Because we, whether you bitch or not, what isn't going to change is that those players are still here with the Red Sox. And either you're going to have to root for them or I would find another team to go root for because – it's not going to change. So it is what it is. These are the guys that are in camp. This is what we're stuck with from a fan standpoint. It's, I think it's time for us to try to start to embrace what's here and, and run with it from
1: there. Actually, I have a question for the fellows kind Dude. of off topic. Um, But it's because of the little Pablo news game. So what do you guys think of the twins being a little aggressive here with Korea coming back and now they're trading for, Or supposedly, you know, looking at one of the top starters on the trade market that's been rumored for weeks.
3: I think they're doing what the Red Sox should be doing. They brought their guy back, and now they're trying to show him that they're going to be competitive by going out and executing the moves that will make that major league roster better. So you could make, like, Correa, theoretically, came back, to his team after two failed attempts to escape Minnesota. And uh, now they're going to go out and make more moves to make that team better. And that's exactly the blueprint that I hope to see the Red Sox follow. They extend Evers. Now what? Go out and get better players to make your team more competitive. That is exactly what they should be doing. So I like what the Twins are doing. I think it's a good follow, um, good, you know, good, lead that we should be following, good role models.
0: I think I agree with Steve for once in a sense of you go out there, you bring your guy back, you're improving your team. Not only that, yeah, the Twins were still, what, 10 games out of the wild card race last year? They're improving their chances so. in that wild card race when we ended up with the same record as them. So I think if you want to look at it from that standpoint, I'm not too sure where you would look at it as. Obviously the twins have had a, maybe a slightly better, I don't know, if maybe the same off season as what we've had. But to end up that kind of tightens up what you have in the wildcard race, especially with what our division is. You gotta see what you gotta compete with there too.
3: Yeah, you know, I also like the fact that they are uh essentially in a division that's far, far less competitive than the ALE's. They're real they're real uh, you know, big Big foe right now is Cleveland. The Guardians are the one team that are really at the top. Besides, besides now them, I mean, you could quote Moneyball. It's like there's them, there's fifty feet of crap, and then there's us, you know. Great. <laughs> Look at the AL Central. You got the Tigers. You got the friggin' White Sox, and I can't even remember the others right now. There's one other. Royals. Right?
1: There you go. Royals. See, they're
3: so relevant in my head right now. I can't remember their name. But yeah, no. I mean that's exactly the point I'm trying to make is the AL Central is so much less competitive yet the Twins are still out here making moves, kicking asses and taking names. Red Sox need to do that because the AL East is only getting better while well, we kind of sure. sit here with our hands on our, under our asses. I mean, what what's going on? Something's got to give.
1: Sure. Chris, what do you what do you think? <clears throat>
2: Excuse me. Um I like it. I felt from the beginning that the best move for the twins would be is to, if they could get Correa back, which they did. Right. Um, Is it the best move for Correa? Well, financially, no, but it is what it is. You guys, if you kind of hit it on the head, if you're making that investment and you're going to pay a guy $33 million, whatever it comes out to, then you need to go and make these moves. You need to go and push the chips in more. And you know, you go and you make these type of deals and, lo- and load up on getting good pitching. And I think if you look at it from the Red Sox standpoint, the only thing that I would kind of pull away would be is because Steve is saying, like, what the Twins are doing is what the Sox should be doing. And I I do agree. Um, But now I think the Sox are like a year behind or a year and a half behind of what the Twins are, whether I think in their stage of their roster. But I think if you can look at what the Red Sox have done from a pitching standpoint, though, and I know this is not answering his question, but I'll get back to it in a second since we're talking about pitching. That's going to be the Red Sox equivalent of whether or not they're actually going to be able to be in this or not. The bullpen is is legit, and I do think the starting pitching can be better because of guys like Kluber, because of guys, these younger kids, et Anyway, I like I do like the move, though, Minnesota bringing back Correa problem is is you still can't beat the New York Yankees in the postseason and until you can do that you can throw Steve Cohen money out there until you can show that you can you can win in the postseason yeah this is good and all it's gonna it's gonna put some uh, asses in the seats and you know, you're gonna sell a handful of Correa jerseys but until you can show that you can win when it counts um I can't say that I take the Twins seriously. I'm oh, not saying seriously. I don't. I, I would say I would take the Guardians. You know, say they're more for real than the Twins are.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, and if this trade does come to fruition, you would be subtracting a very notable hitter in the form of Luis Suarez. That guy can play all over the place. He's a hitting machine. I think he was up the near the top for batting average. He was constantly getting on base. So to lose him, that kind of hurts, but I mean, maybe they have some reinforcements somewhere
2: that they could, or there could be another deal or maybe they yeah. won't all back. Well, you
3: know what? Speaking of other deals is, um, I, I mean, you, you got the inevitable announcement of Kluber and I, I just feel like they continue the Red Sox continue to poach people from their 40 man roster and, you got to wonder if they're going to do the same thing, if there's going to be another casualty when they announce Kluber, or if they're going to try to make some proactive decisions and actually try to get something for these guys. I mean, there's plenty of players that you could hand pick from a 40-man right now that probably should have been selected before some of the other guys that we've seen get cut. I I really just, I'm trying to kind of, you know, I don't know how how the uh, process is going for them, if they've been actively shopping players and aren't happy with what the the offers look like or if it's something to do with just feeling like, all right, this guy's not that great anyway, it's whatever, get rid of him. But then it also kind of begs the question, why didn't you uh, protect any of these other guys who were obviously of more value to you than the people you're just cutting ties with just to cut ties with them? You know? We'd all, we'd all love a Thaddeus Ward in our team right now. It still hurts. It still hurts. I mean, I'm I'm still butthurt about that. I I don't... Um, I don't know what the deal with Ryan Brazier is there. I said it. <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to. Oh. I wasn't going to, but I, here I am. I said it. He's uh, got a
1: spot on this team for eternity.
3: Well, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, I also think he actually might believe it or not, have some trade values somewhere. I, I I don't know. What that's the, 20 ago. It's the only thing I can really make out of that is that somewhere there is a team that's interested in acquiring him. So they don't just want to cut him. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Everyone's gotten silent on me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because I I think we give Ryan Brazier way too much time on this podcast. I know. I know. That's why I only briefly mentioned him. I don't want to go on a tangent. I'm not mad about him. Let's move on from from Ryan Brazier because to be honest with you, he doesn't deserve to be on the Boston Red Sox. And what's going to happen is he's going to make this damn team and we're going to have to look at his stupid face and highlights when he's doing one of these, watching the, the balls go over his damn head. So I'm all set with Ryan Brazier and his stupid face. So that's where I'm at with, uh, with Ryan Brazier. So as we uh, wind down this podcast, land this plane here a little bit, gentlemen, Um, in closing, if you could um, you go out right now and make one move, whether it's for a pitcher or for a bat, don't have to say the name. What What is the number one priority for the Red Sox right now? Because I want to see if anything from, from today through when we record next week, if they went in, addressed at least the position. I
1: would yeah. say pitching just because I feel like looking at the rotation, you know, all, all no sales, health injuries. Paxson hasn't pitched in over a year. Um, We've talked about it a lot of times on this pod, but I feel like they need another frontline starter. Just because there are a lot of quote lots of question marks health wise with some of the guys that as it's lined up right now they're gonna be counting on very very heavily. I'm gonna go the bats.
0: I think we need something down the middle. I feel like our bullpen's good enough to, you know, if we're able to keep a game close with with our starting rotation, I feel like our bullpen's able to keep it close. But that that uh, offense right now has no power in it, so I think a lot of our games hopefully are gonna be low scoring from that sense just because. Our, our arms will be able to, but our bats won't.
3: Yeah, and I suppose for me it would be the bats too. I mean, you could have you could have way more bullpen help, but you're still going to have to score runs to protect leads. And I hope it's in the form of a good defensive player with a good bat. That's all I need. It doesn't have to be amazing. I'm not asking for a gold glover. I just want a guy who can produce to play above-average defense. No drop pop-ups, none of that crap. Case closed.
2: I want a bat right now. I want a bat. A bat that can provide some power. 20, 25 home runs. You know, that's what they need right now. They need to go out and get a stick for this lineup because Rafael Devers being your only bat is going to... Diminish what Rafael Devers is going to be able to do for you offensively this season because teams are going to pitch around him. And if there's nothing protect, and I'm not saying Justin Turner is not good protection, but you've had Xander Bogarts and JD Martinez protecting Rafael Devers for the last handful of seasons. You know what I mean? Like it's not apples to apples anymore. So I'd like to see them go out and get a bat. Hopefully by this time next week when we record. We're talking about a new Red Sox acquisition. It's a, it's another bat, um, but we'll see. So first podcast of 2023 in the books, uh, a couple of housekeeping notes, head on over to beyondthemonster.substack.com. Enter your email. It's free to subscribe. You'll get all of our latest content uh, that is dropping on a daily basis. In addition, head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And subscribe to Obstructive View Red Sox Podcast when a new show drops. You will get the notifications so you can listen to it on the way to work, while you're at work, in the house, or whatever it is that you do with your life. And while you're there, head on, while you're there, head on and uh look for round and third, our baseball podcast, our general MLB podcast. We only have one episode that's up, but 2023, that'll uh that show will be recorded with some regularity in addition to some Soxvex podcasts that will be coming back very soon. So, for the guys, thank you for uh, joining the first episode of 2023. We're only a few weeks away from spring training, and that's exciting. Peace.
0: Bye.